Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 23. As you're turning there, I pass on thank you for, from Wendy for all those who were able to make it. And uh, she was pleasantly surprised. She was exhausted uh, last, evening, uh, last night by the time she got home and then was still buzzing from emotion and struggled with sleep throughout the night. To have all the family, but all of those who were able to turn up. So she sends a massive thank you to everyone for that. Exodus chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 23. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Let's open in a word of prayer tonight. Dear wonderful and heavenly Father, we just thank you for your wonderful and precious word. Lord, for your word that we know stands forever. Lord, that it is without error. And Lord, all that we can find within it, it speaks of your love, speaks of your mercy, speaks of your grace. Lord, we just thank you that we can be able to spend time within your word tonight and to be able to just look at this nation of Israel and see that they just simply needed to turn to you. They just simply needed to turn out and cry out to their God and that you were there ready to help them, ready to respond. Lord, allow us tonight, to, as we study your word, to be able to see that we also can cry out to you and know that you are there for us, ready whenever we call. Lord, allow your word to be a blessing to each and every one of our hearts tonight. Allow all distractions that we might have going on in our lives to be put aside and allow your name to be lifted up, your name to be glorified, your name to be Lord, hide me behind your cross, I pray. And allow this night for us to be able to walk away praising and glorifying your name. And Lord, that we might be able to know how we can be able to follow and serve you in all that we do. Bless your word to our hearts. And be with us this night. Guide my words, I pray, Lord, and allow not my words to come forth, but yours. That we might be able to lift you up to praise you and glorify you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Last time I preached, we looked as Moses had to run away from the nation of Egypt. We saw that Moses was now in the desert. He was married with two sons and was a stranger in a strange land, as we see in verses 21 and 22. And Moses was content to dwell with the man and gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter. And she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershon. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And a period of time now passes with Moses there in the desert and Israel in Egypt. 
Then suddenly, after 40 years, a new pharaoh takes charge after the previous pharaoh passes away. And it brings more pain and more suffering upon Israel. And this pain and this suffering makes the nation of Israel call out to God. They call out to God and God responds to their call. And it's this very call and this very response that we're going to look at tonight as we see Israel's call and God's response. Israel's call and God's response. Firstly, we're going to look at tonight Israel's call. And that's found in verse 23. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Israel here cries out to God. You see, when Moses had left Egypt, Israel was stuck in bondage. Israel was stuck serving Pharaoh, serving the Egyptians. They were working for the Pharaoh who wanted Moses dead. And he is working them hard. And the nation of Israel got to a stage where they were just simply waiting for this Pharaoh to die, waiting for this Pharaoh to pass away, hoping that when that Pharaoh passes away, that the new king would bring relief. The new king would bring them an opportunity to be able to relax. Maybe he might free them. He might not want them in the country and let them go. Or at least that they would have to do less work. That they will be treated in a nicer kind of fashion. And so it came to pass in the process of time. Or this 40 year gap of when Moses leaves Egypt and goes out to the back part of the desert. And Moses works out there for 40 years. Israel continued to be in bondage. Turn with me to Acts chapter 7. And we see where that 40 years comes from. Acts chapter 7 verses 29 to 30. Let's go back a little bit and go to verse 26. And the next day he showed himself, this is Moses, unto them as they strove. And we've set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren. Why do you wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me? As thou didst the Egyptian yesterday. Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Madian, where he begat two sons. And when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in the flame of fire in a bush. We all know the story. Moses had seen an Egyptian hurting one of his brethren. And so he stood up against him and ended up killing him. The next day he saw two of these Israelites fighting with each other. And so he tries to intercede. And when he speaks to them and asks them why they're doing it, they said, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill me just like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? 
and the news got round that Moses had killed an Egyptian. And Pharaoh sought after his life, and so Moses fled. And there he was in for 40 years serving the Lord. And for 40 years that Pharaoh, or that group of Pharaohs continued to serve, but eventually it came time where there was a new dynasty, a new Pharaoh in charge. And the nation of Israel at this time probably rejoiced. They probably thought how wonderful it is. That Pharaoh has finally passed away. That Pharaoh who has made us serve with rigor is now gone. Maybe now is the time that we're going to get some release. Maybe now is the time where we will be relieved to some of our duties. They started to rejoice because the old king was passed away until the new king began to actually reign. Probably ruling over the nation of Israel harder than they had been ruled before. And after that, it got to the stage where Israel began to cry out to God. And the Bible here in the Hebrew uses three different words for the word cry. The first one is that the children of Israel sighed. Look there in the middle of verse 23. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. The word sighed here in the Hebrew means to groan or to mourn. The nation of Israel were groaning from their bondage. It was physically and emotionally so demanding upon them that they got to the stage where they were groaning in pain. They were mourning what was occurring to them. This great pain and sorrow of being ruled by the wicked was getting too much to them. Look in Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29 gives us the same sort of meaning with this word. Proverbs 29 and verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. The people were mourning because the wicked were ruling over them. The Israelites were mourning because the wicked were afflicting them. And they cry out with this almost aghast cry through the pain and suffering of being ruled by this wicked ruler. So the children of Israel sighed or they mourned. The second one is that they simply, that they cried. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. This word cried here means to be a shriek or a call. They were shrieking or calling and now calling out to God. Calling for help, calling for salvation from the situation they were in. Calling for help from the God that they knew was there. The God that so often they'd simply ignored. They're calling out for help. And then the third one there, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. This word cry unto God means hallooing. And I, when I was looking at it, I thought, what is hallooing? And so I actually end up having to look in an Australian dictionary. I found this word hallooing. It's actually a word found in our dictionary. H-A-L-L-O-O-I-N-G. 
and it's basically to mean to holler. And was often used actually in regards to sending out the dogs during a hunt. And you would halloo to the dogs and they would be, then go off to be able to search out the prey that you'd shot down. But it also means a call to attention. The nation of Israel were calling for God's attention, calling out to God, saying, God, we need your help. Before this, they hadn't been calling to God. But now at the stage that they're at, they realized they needed God's help. They needed God to be able to assist them. They tried all other ways. They'd been waiting for the king to die. And so the king died and suddenly they had a harder task set in front of them. They hadn't called out to God before. Now was the chance and the first time they finally called out to God. You see, nothing else had worked. Israel had got to their last resort. Finally, finally they called out to God. They hadn't seeked him first. They hadn't looked for him first. He was their final resort. As they cried out to God for help. One commentator said it like this. The exodus did not come about simply because people were in trouble. It was the result of a prayer of lament for rescue to the only one who could actually do something about it. God didn't bring the nation of Israel out because they were in trouble. God brought the nation of Israel out because they cried out to him. They cried out this prayer of lament, crying out to God to rescue them. Help us, Lord. We're stuck. We need a way out. They finally called unto the God who could actually get them out of the country. Israel realized they were stuck. Israel had waited upon everything else, waited for some other way, and it hadn't worked. They needed help, and so they turned back to God. And isn't that something that we so often do? We try everything that we can in our own works. We try and fix a problem in our own ways. And when we exhaust all other options, then we go, Lord, I've done everything else. Help me. But our thing should be that we should call upon the Lord first of all. Call upon him to be able to help us. To not exhaust all options, but exhaust the first option crying out to God. A story tells of a terrified lady saying to the passing captain of a ship which was being buffeted by a terrible storm. She asked him, Is there any hope, captain? To which he replied, Our only hope is God. Turning even paler, she gasped, Are things really that bad? The very fact that even Christians are apt to speak of the marvellous answers to prayer indicates how often they are expecting so little. The turning to God in desperate prayer is all too often not a last hope for so many, but a confession of no hope. But that should not be the case for us. 
We serve a wonderful, mighty God. And so when we are in trouble, our first cry should be to God. We shouldn't want to exhaust all other options first. We should cry out to God first. He should be the one that we seek first. He is the one we should follow first. He is the mighty one. The one in control of all things. The one who comes through every single time. God should not be our last resort. He should be our first resort. And no matter where we might go, whether we might go through the good times or whether we might go through the bad times, we should be seeking and calling out to God in prayer. Asking Him to help us. Asking Him to aid us. Asking Him to protect and look after us. You see, God is the only one that we need. He is the one who will be able to respond to our cries. He is the one who will be able to respond to our prayers. Our God is wonderful and majestic. There is none else that we need. Israel tried all else, but nothing had worked. And so they called out to God. We should call out to God before trying all else because God is the one who can do what we need. The nation of Israel called out to God. Now the God that they serve is the one who's going to respond. That's our second point here. We see God's response. God's response. Look in verses 24 and 25. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. God remembered Israel. God had heard their groaning. And before this, he hadn't heard it. He hadn't heard the people calling out to God because they hadn't called out to him. God knew they were in bondage. It was not a surprise to him. God knew that they needed him. But they hadn't called out to him. Now was the time that they finally did. Now was the time that they called out to God. And he says as such, look in chapter 3 in verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Look over, also over a couple of chapters in chapter 6 and verse 5. Exodus 6 and verse 5. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. God heard their cries. God heard the nation of Israel crying out and calling out to God. And God remembered them. This word remembered here, though, is not meaning to recall. Rather, it speaks of an application. And the English here of this verse can often be seen 
as that God had forgotten his covenant, that God had forgotten his nation. And we certainly can know that that is not the case. God had not forgotten his people. God is omniscient. God knows all things. We know he knows all things. So it can't be that God had forgotten the nation of Israel. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20 says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. As God heard his groans, he didn't go, Oh, the nation of Israel. I was wondering where they were at. What happened to them? Oh, actually, didn't I make a promise with them? Oh, let me think. It was oh, some, some guy named Abraham. That was his name. What Now, what did I say? What did I say? That was not the case. He knew. He knew the nation of Israel. He knew what his promise was. He knew what his covenant was. He knew the nation of Israel. He knew that they needed help. And now as they call out to him, God says, right, now is the time where I can put my plan into effect. The phrase here, God remembered, is more that God decided now to honour the terms of his covenant. Upon hearing their cry, God knew now was the time to act. Now was the time for him to put his plan into place. He'd had his plan ready and he was simply waiting for the nation of Israel to call out to God. And God is ready for us to call out to him. He doesn't forget us. He knows each one of us by name. He knows the hairs on our head. How could God forget us? And when we go through hard times and when we go through trials, he is waiting for our call. He is waiting for our cry. He is waiting for us to say, Lord, help me. I know you are there. Help me, Lord. God is the one who answers prayer. God is the one who's in control. And we shouldn't wait until we're desperate before calling upon him. He should be the one that we should call upon first. Because God remembers us. God cares for us. God simply is waiting for us to cry out to him. As he is ready to respond. God remembered Israel. And he was waiting for them. So that he could act upon his plan. And as he hears their call, he says, yep. Now's the time. Now's the time where I can honour my covenant. Where I can allow my covenant to continue. It was already happening, but now he was going to allow it to be fulfilled. Allow the scriptures and the promises to continue to be fulfilled. Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 12. Where God started or told his covenant to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12 and starting in verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I'll make of thee a great nation, 
and I'll bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. If you remember when I was preaching back in chapter 1 and chapter 2, I've often spoken about how the nation of Israel had already been blessed. That they had grown and developed and become this mighty nation. Even once they were being persecuted by Pharaoh, even though they were being persecuted and afflicted, God still was allowing them to be blessed. And so God was allowing his covenant to take place still. But now he's ready to curse him that curseth them. He's ready to continue his covenant with them. You see, God would care for his people even while they were in captivity. Turn over to Genesis 15. Genesis 15 and verse 13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterwards shall they come out with great substance the nation of Israel have been afflicted for 400 years for 400 years they've served the nation of Egypt. And now God is getting them ready to come out. To come out to the land that he'd promised them back in chapter 12. To come out with many blessings. With many things that he could give them. That's why it says there in verse 14, And afterwards they shall come out with great substance. They spoiled the Egyptians. They took all their gold, all their silver. The nation of Egypt had given it to them and said, Get out! We know the story after that tenth plague. The nation of Israel said, uh, Egypt said, Get out! Take the gold, take the silver, take what you want, but get our way from us. God's promise was going to come through. And they'd served Egypt now for 400 years and now God was going to judge that nation as he promised. God would bring them out with great substance, taking the spoils of Egypt. Because the time is now come that God would take this opportunity to take his people to the land he had promised. God had put so many pieces in place. Moses now was prepared. He'd spent those 40 years in Egypt learning the Egyptian ways. He'd spent 40 years in the wilderness learning how to be able to be ready, humbling, being humbled before the Lord. And now God brings all those pieces of the puzzle together. The land was now prepared for the nation of Israel to go into. And God was simply showing he was the one that was in control. He was the one that was going to look after them. You see, God respected them. In verse 25, And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. 
The word respect here is often translated as the word no. And so it can read, And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God knew them. God knew his nation. God cared for this nation. God wanted what was best for them. And now he was going to take them out, out of the land of affliction, out of Egypt, and he was going to call them to the land he had promised them. God was going to respond to their call. God was going to respond to their groaning. God was going to respond to their crying. God was going to respond to the yell that they were going to emit. Wanting the Lord to look after them. God's timing was best. God knew what was going on. God knew his timing was perfect. And now was the time he was going to take them out. And God knows what's going to happen for us. And we might go through trials, but God knows what is best. We might not forget about what's happening, but God is in control. He is the one who is the king above all kings. He is the God who is in control of all things. There is no others but him, and we simply need to trust in him. No matter the trial, no matter the problem, no matter what we might go through, God is in control. And it's hard. When we go through a trial, it's hard. And it will be painful and emotionally draining, physically demanding. But God knows what's best. And God will be able to pull us through that trial, pull us through that time, and all we need to do is cry out to Him and say, Lord, help me! So that he will get the glory. He will be the one who be, is praised. He is the one who is glorified above else. He is the one that has done the work. Israel had shown that they tried every other method and it didn't work. And as soon as they call upon the Lord, God puts the action into place. And the nation of Israel suddenly realized that the call that they've cried out goes to the mighty God who will take control of the situation. Israel was now ready to follow the Lord. Israel was now ready to go after God. Israel was now ready to glorify God. We need to be ready to glorify Him. So that when we cry out to God and we see the answer in prayer, we can lift up his name. Last week at Proteins, Pastor Kendall spoke about sometimes we forget to praise the Lord even in the smallest, littlest thing. He gave the example of having prayer and saying, Lord, give me a good night's sleep. And then you wake up the next morning and you've had a great night's sleep. We go, oh, I had a great night's sleep. And then you go off into your day. He talked about how even in those times we need to say, thank you, Lord. You've answered my prayer. I've asked you to give me a good night's sleep. I've asked you to do this. I've asked this to be a wonderful day. And it was. Thank you, Lord. I thought, of course. 
It's so obvious and yet something that we so easily forget about. God answers even those tiny little prayers because He is the God that answers prayer. He is the one who's in control. God should be the one that's glorified. God remembered Israel and God remembers us. God was looking after the nation of Israel and God looks after us. He simply wants us to cry out to him so that he can do a mighty and wondrous work. God knew his people and God was going to look after his people. And God knows us and he promises to look after us. We simply just need to call out to him. To say to him, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need your assistance. I need you, Lord. And he will take care of us. Just as he promises in his word. We just need to call out to him so that he can And so that he can show to us and show to others how wonderful he is. Let us cry out to God and see his wonderful and marvellous response. Let's close in prayer. Dear wonderful and heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you we can cry out to you and know that you are the God who answers prayer, that you are the God who is in control, that you are the God that will respond. And Lord, sometimes the response you might give is not the response that we want. But Lord, we can know that that is the response that is best for us. Lord, help us through trying times To always call out to you. To not try and seek our own ways first. But seek you. The first thing we do. Help us to trust you. Help us to obey you. Help us to follow in your ways. And then as we do so, Lord, we can be able to praise you. To glorify you in seeing your response seeing your mighty and wondrous hand upon us. Lord, help us to cry out to you, knowing that you are the great and mighty God. Lord, help us to look to nothing else but to trust you, knowing that your hand is upon us. We pray. Christ, wonderful and precious name.